I appreciate you sharing. And if you expect God to continue to bless you, you're going to have to continue to bless others who are in more difficult circumstances than you. Here a few months ago, I was in Chiapas. We're building in um, a dormitory. For the Americans, when they fly in, to spend the night and go up the mountains the next day. Because very, very dangerous flying in at, in the wintertime, raining, fog and clouds uh, hovering on the ground. And you've got to drive through that for three hours to get up to Chinelo, where our headquarters is. It's very, very dangerous. In time, some van is going to go off the side of that mountain and we're going to have a tremendous weeping time. So God spoke to me and I said, I'm going to build a dormitory. And I just began it. I said, Carlos, if God's with us, we'll finish it. We won't stop and we'll finish it. And and we began it and we haven't stopped and it's almost finished. So he and I were there and he said, would you like to go over and see a little church? Poor people who are in desperate need of a building. I said, sure. So I'm thinking now. You're robbing your, yourself because what I'm going to spend over there is something I could spend right here. Could finish up the dorm, could do whatever we need. And, and so I said, okay, we'll go. I went over there and, and what I saw ripped my heart wide open. It was a tar paper, black tar paper church. I know you in Louisiana know what tar paper is. We call it black corton in Mexico or carton negro. But it's black tar paper with a flat roof on a little building. And I sat there and I talked to the pastor. And I said, how long have you been here? One of the poorest areas of all of Tuxla. And I said to him, how long have you been here? He said, four years. Wow, that's a long time to worship God in something that most chicken owners wouldn't, wouldn't be satisfied with. And we were sitting there, and I said, well, how many people do you have in your congregation? He said, about 80. I go inside, it's a dirt floor. I look, and there's a little girl, maybe 12, 13 years old, and she's trying to sweep a scorpion out of the way because it was fixed to go down in a little crevice in the floor. So I go back out and I sat there and I said, Carlos, we're talking with the pastor. And I said, we're going to help these people. We have no money set aside for it, but we're going to help them. We do not have one single dollar set aside for this project because I did not even know it existed. I said, but we're going to help them. You know why? Because our church in Tuxla is 10 minutes drive from where that place was or is in Tuxla. We're going to go back to one of the most beautiful churches in all of Tuxla. If you've ever been there, you know what I'm talking about. It is not a mission church. It is a gorgeous church anywhere in the United States that you want to put it. It's a beautiful building. And behind the church is a beautiful gymnasium, full size. And now we're building a dormitory right to one side of that gymnasium. And I built me a little house there. And we have all the vehicles that we need. 
Get in one and go to the store, get in a different one and go somewhere else. I said, Carlos, how can we go back to our headquarters and ask God for one single thing and walk away without helping these people? That put me on the spot. Big time, that put me on the spot. And he said, I agree with you. So I told the pastor, let's start tearing it down. In October, we will put the final touches on that building, and it won't look like it does today. That's what we do. That's what Jim, Dr. Jim, that's what his team, Brad Sons, that's what his team, the team, is going to do just a little bit later on this year. That's what we've been doing all up to, to this point. That's what we'll do the rest of the year. That's who we are. We're blessed of God, tremendously blessed of God. And wherever there is a need, we reach out and, and try our best to share it. Now, somebody didn't have much faith. I promise you, I won't drink it all. I'll save it for somebody else. Water must be expensive. I'd better get started because I've got to turn you out exactly at 1030. Because we're going to start again exactly at 11. And there's not going to be a turning out at exactly anything on that second service. We've invited, invited a lot of friends to be here. A number of them will be here for the second service. And although I may not get a chance to see them, I'm grateful for all of those that are going to come and worship the Lord. I want you to open your Bibles today to the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verse 21 through 25. I'm going to leave with you hope. That's the intent of my message today, is to leave with you hope for whatever your needs are in life. Now, I know the majority of you, am I too loud? Am I okay? I know the majority of you, you came to church, you didn't carry any problems or any baggage. The majority of you did not come because you needed something from God. The majority of you are blessed. You have good health. You have a good family. Physically, you're in good shape. You have good health. You have the finances that you need. You're not in debt terribly bad. And so you did not come to beg God for anything. You came because that's the proper thing to do. You came to love God, to express your appreciation to God for all that he is, all who he is, and tell him that you love him because he's been good to you. 
That's the majority of us. Oftentimes, I'm in a church, and a, a preacher will say, now, everybody that has a need, raise your hand. I don't raise my hand because I don't consider myself in any needs. My needs have been taken care of by my Lord. I am blessed. And so normally I do not raise my hand because I know in that congregation there are going to be some people who have some real needs in their lives. And I'm going to, I'm going to leave with you hope this morning. If anyone came to this service today and you brought in some problems, you brought in some needs, I want to leave with you hope. God can fix what is broken. Let us read that. Paul has been, is in prison. He's writing to the church in Philippi. He's longing to see them, but he can't because he's a prisoner. And so he, he writes to them and he, he encourages them. And then he says this in verse 21. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me, for I do not know which way to choose. Now, picture the Apostle Paul. He's a great man of faith. Great relationship with Jesus Christ, which began on the Damascus Road. Tremendous walk with God, with Christ. Knows the presence of the Spirit of the Lord very, very much. And he says to in this verse of Scripture, If I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. I do not know which way to choose. To die is gain. But to live on, it's more beneficial for you. Verse 23, maybe you've been here. Maybe you are here today. I am hard pressed from both directions, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, for that is very much better. Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Bible said, Paul said, I don't know what to do. I'm hard pressed from both directions. I, I'm like I'm being pulled by a tremendous force for this direction and that direction. I want to give it all up and go home to be with the Lord. That's the desire of my heart, my spirit, my soul. I long to be with my Christ. And he says, that's really what I want to do. But he said, I see the needs, and the needs are so great, I'm being pulled in that direction. He said, I'm hard-pressed to make a decision. Well, you see, the majority of you are not going to have to make a decision today because the majority of you do not have needs in your life. The majority of you are not suffering. But for those who brought needs into this congregation today, and you have this decision to make, 
You're hard pressed. Do I turn to God? Do I turn my life to God? Do I give him my problem? Do I continue to try to, to, to solve my problem? Can I do it on my own? Is God the only one that's going to be able to help? And you're hard pressed between making a decision to turn it all over to God or to continue on the way that you came into this church today. Hard pressed to make a decision. I love what he said in verse 25. Convinced. He didn't remain hard pressed and he didn't remain not knowing what to do. Convinced of this. I know that I will remain and continue with you. Paul made a decision. God can fix anything that is broken. Doesn't matter what you brought into this congregation. Doesn't matter the depth of your need. Doesn't matter the depth of your faith. It doesn't matter anything about you. God can fix anything that is broken. You may feel like Humpty Dumpty. You've been sitting on a wall and you've fallen in and you've broken in a thousand pieces and all the king's men, all the king's horses, and all of that stuff can't put you back together again. Have you ever felt like that? God can fix it. I don't care what your situation is. God can fix it. Will he fix it? I don't know. That's between you and God. That's between your decision to turn to God and believe God and not. That's left it in your hand. But I'm here to tell you, a man 75 years of age, 55 years in ministry, God has the ability to fix any need that arises in your life. Anything that is broken, God can fix it. He can put the family back together. He can put the body back together. He can put the soul back together. He can put health in your body. He can fix your financial problems. He is God, God Almighty. He is God, and he can fix what's broken. Amen. There are serious consequences in decisions. You're going to make your decision. If you brought problems into this congregation, you're going to make a decision today whether to turn to God and give them to God or whether you're going to go home and carry them home with you. Serious consequences in choice. Adam made a choice. God said, don't eat of that tree. Eve said, look what I've found. And Adam made a choice. And he suffered to this day. All of us have suffered because of the decision that Adam made, the choice that he made. Ruth and Orpah, her sister-in-law, standing on the border between Moab and Israel, Naomi said to them, girls, I have nothing else to offer you. Go back to your country. Ruth said, I don't think I will. I think I'm going to go wherever you go. I'm going to serve your God. I'm going to be with you. I made a commitment. My husband died. Your son died. But I made a commitment, and I'm going to keep that commitment. That was her decision. That was her choice. Oprah, she went back to her people. I have no idea what happened to Oprah. I have no idea. Never heard of her again. But I know this. I know that the Christian blood that flows through me 
flowed from Ruth all the way down through Jesus Christ, down to every believer in this building here today. Ruth made the proper choice. And the blood of Jesus Christ is a part of the blood that flowed from that woman's veins. Bible said a prodigal son made two choices. One, he made a foolish choice when he said, I think I'll take what's coming to me, and Dad, I'll see you later. He wasted it all on riotous living. Found himself in a hog pen, suffering. But he made another choice. He turned to God and he said, God, in my father's house, the servants eat better than me feeding these swine. I think I'll get up and go home. That was a choice that turned his life around. So you've got a choice today. But whatever you brought into this building that's broken, God can fix it. God can fix what's broken in this nation. I said, God can fix what is broken with this nation. I have seen the deterioration of the country that I love. I watch it spiral downward, 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 downward until we're at the very bottom of it. I've seen the same thing happen in Mexico. Spiraling down, 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 down. I've served under six presidents in Mexico. And at the, ter- at the end of the term of every single president in Mexico, the people come together hoping, trusting in the new president. Maybe he's going to fix it. Presidents can't fix what's broken. But we're no different right here. Now, please don't get angry at me. Doesn't matter to me if you're Democratic. Doesn't matter to me if you're Republican. Presidents cannot fix what is broken in this nation. But my people who are called by my name, if they will humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. There is one who can fix it. There is one who can fix it. If we would turn to him, fall on our faces, cry out to God, God can fix our nation again. Are you with me? I want to give you hope. I want to give you something to hold on to, to hang on to. God can fix anything that is broken. Jehoshaphat, king of Israel, king of Judah, great man in his time, had a few problems, but overall he was a good man. One day someone came to him and said, bad news, Jehoshaphat. You can't imagine the multitude of people who have assembled against us. Three tribes we could not attack when we came out of Egypt. Now they have massed themselves against us. The sons of Ammon, the sons of Moab, and the sons of Mount Seir. And Jehoshaphat goes out and he looks at 
at the, at, at the mass and the multitude of people. And he stands there. And he said, we can't fight. We can't win. There is no hope. We are no match against this multitude that have come to destroy us. He said, I don't know what to do is what he said. I send you out, you're going to die. I don't send you out and you're going to die anyway because they're going to come and they're going to kill you. Either way, you're going to die. I don't know what to do. Indecisive. Some of you that have come today are the same way. You carried that burden. You carried that baggage. You carried it time and time and time again. And you've kind of given up. But I'm here to tell you, God is the answer. And he can fix anything that is broken. Amen. Amen. Bad news. How many likes bad news? How many in the last few months have received bad news one way or the other? See, I told you the majority of you are blessed. I know what it's like to have bad news. I was in Mexico years ago, 25 years ago, and I began coughing a lot. Tom Schaefer, our director, he said, let's go to Acapulco. I'm going to have an x-ray taken. I want to check your lungs. I went to Acapulco, had an x-ray taken. Tom read it. He said, you've got a spot on your right lung. Thank you. I went back to the United States. I waited a number of months, probably even years, but forgotten it. And I thought I might ought to go back and have an American doctor check this. So I go to an American doctor, and I said, Doc, I'd like for you to just take an uh, 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 x-ray of my lungs. Took an x-ray of my lungs, and he said, you've got a spot in your right lung, but you've also got a spot on your left lung. Bad news. Nobody likes bad news. This time last year, I was just coming off of a glorious trip down the Missouri River, alone. Almost three weeks, just me, God, and the current. It was a great time. I felt like a teenager, strong, healthy, was able to do anything that I wanted to do. Had no restriction, nothing. I felt great. October, less than a year now, October, I was on a, on a mountain in the top of Mexico, and they had to hold on to me and put me in a truck and take me down the mountain and sent someone with me to accompany me, holding me up, boarding a plane, went with me all the way back to the United States. In Mexico, there was a wheelchair waiting. At Texas, there was a wheelchair waiting. They put me in a wheelchair, rolled me out to an ambulance, put me in an ambulance, Drove me to a hospital. Never got a chance to go home. Went directly from the airline to the hospital. Bad news. Bad news. Rolled me into the hospital in a wheelchair. And here comes all of these people with all the little things to check me out. Bad news. That was only a few months ago. 
Nobody likes bad news. But I'm here to tell you that God can fix all the bad news that ever comes your way. God can fix it. God can fix it. Never, ever, ever doubt in the ability of the almighty God. He can fix anything that's going wrong in your life. Anything, anything, drugs, alcohol, family breakups, financial problems, physical health. It doesn't matter. He is God and he can fix anything that is broken. You believe in miracles? Pray for this bottle. I pray that it's like that widow's pot of meal and oil. I pray that it lasts the rest of, of this sermon. But don't worry about it. I'll let Pastor Todd know about it. So Jehoshaphat has called all the people together, men, women, and children. He's called them all together, and they're in the, they're in the outer court, the, uh, uh, the new court, in front of that great temple that Solomon built. And Jehoshaphat made a decision. He said, God, we don't know what to do. We are not able to stand against this mass of people. And we don't know what to do. I love this. I get, grab this if you possibly can. In the midst of a, of a multitude of men, women, boys and girls, the Bible says the spirit of the Lord descended right into the midst of that congregation of people and the spirit of the Lord set upon one of the men of God in that group and said tell Hezekiah don't worry everything's going to be all right are you hearing me he said tell Hezekiah this is not your battle you don't even have to go out and fight dame la cuenta give me the bill I'll pay it what he's saying. He said, you don't have to worry. He said, the battle is not yours. It is mine. He said, all I want you to do tomorrow is just go out, go down to the valley. He said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. I'm talking about your God. I'm talking about whatever you brought into this congregation. Our God is able to fix it. If it's broken, He's a super glue that can put it back together. He can fix it. He can fix it. And when they went back out, the sons of Ammon and the sons of Seir and the sons of whoever the third one was all got into a mess and began to kill one another. And they were all laying dead out there because God fixed it. See, I don't care how he takes those spots off my lung. Just fix it, God. See, my, since I've had a stroke on that mountain, this left leg, I drag, it's dead. I don't care how he fixes it. Just fix it, God. If you want to turn it backwards, I'll drag it. But fix it, God. Because I know that God can. 
Have you ever fallen in a bathtub? I fell out of a bathtub. That's embarrassing. And the first thing you know, I'm sitting there on the floor, and I'm looking at it, hoping, oh, God, I hope there's no surveillance camera. I don't care how he fixes it. He's my God. And he said, if I would humble myself and seek his faith and turn from my wicked way, he'd hear from heaven, he'd forgive my sin, and he would cleanse my land, he would heal me. Our God can fix it. Let me go on. Hezekiah. The the first one was Jehoshaphat. It wasn't Hezekiah. Jehoshaphat was the, the king, the king of Judah. Hezekiah. He's a great man, too. You remember... How many loves to get a visit from a man of God? Do you? How, how would you like to get a visit from Samuel, prophet? Well, it depends on the news he's bringing. You see, Hezekiah, that was Jehoshaphat, what I was preaching about the last little bit. Hezekiah, Samuel walks in and says, you're going to die. God said to tell you, you're going to die. Get your house in order. That's bad news. That's bad news. Doctor said, you're going to die. That's bad news. But God is the author of fixing bad news. He's, he's excellent at fixing bad news. And so the Bible said Hezekiah just turned his face to the wall and began to cry out to God. What else can you do? You're dying. What else can you do? Where can you put your hope? Where can you put your hope if God can't fix it? Tell me where can you put your hope? You're going to put your hope in a new government? Forget it. Forget it. I know some of you are are Democrats and you love Obama. Obama can't fix what's broken. Some of you are Republicans and you love Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney cannot fix what is broken. The only person that can fix what is broken is the one that you worship here this morning. And if you'll cry out to him, he can fix what is broken. Amen. And so God stops the prophet in the middle of the courtyard and said, go back and tell that, that guy that's praying in there. I've heard his prayers and I'm going to get more years to live. God fixed that little old problem in a hurry. He fixed Jehoshaphat's problem in a hurry. But what about Nineveh? How many, what's the population of Lafayette? 250. Nothing compared to Mexico City. 25 million. But Nineveh had 120,000. But it's 120,000 rotten people, wicked, so wicked, God said, I'm sick of seeing this, this wickedness. And he sends a preacher down to tell them, 40 days, and you're a goner. But if my people will call by my name, these wicked people fell on their face before God and began to fast and pray and repent to God. King hadn't even heard about it. But when the preacher came through a city of 120,000, he had such a convicting 
anointing on his word that the people hearing it were falling on their faces and crying out to God, forgive us, Father. And the news came to the office of the king. But you know what he did? He did a foolish thing. He did something I'd love to see Washington do. He stood up out from his throne, and he took his robe off, and he put on sackcloth. There comes a time to get real serious with God. Oh, God, that we could see the same move of God in Washington, D.C., where senators and congressmen and presidents uh, would rise, take off their robes uh, and fall on their faces and cry out for our country that God heal our land. That's the answer that we need. That's the answer that we need. God can fix it. God can fix it. Whatever is broken. I hunger to see the move of the Spirit of God. I hunger to feel the move of the Spirit of God. I want to see him. I want, I want to see the results of the Spirit of God in action. You remember when Peter was, going, was on his way to the temple about the ninth hour of the day? And there was a man that was late. He had a problem, a big problem. He had never walked in his life. And all of his life, they carried him and laid him there at a gate called Beautiful that he could beg for alms, asking for something, asking for something. Well, what Peter had in a way of finances, that man did not need because he was a man that could not walk. And Peter stopped and looks at him. He said, mister, I know what you want. I'm paraphrasing now. I know what you want. You want something out of my pocket, but I don't have anything in there. I don't have any silver. I don't have any gold. But I just came out of an upper room a few days ago, and such as I have, such as what God put in here a few days ago, I'm going to give it to you. And he reaches down, and he takes that man by the hand, and he says, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise and walk. God fixed it. You know what I'm thinking about? I remember a long time ago, a teenage boy, young boy, and I was on one side of a bayou, and I was fishing crawfish. And on the other side of the bayou, there was an electric fence around a man's little, little feedlot. It was raining lightly. Ground was wet. And I looked over there, and his little daughter, maybe 12 years old, had reached over and got hold of that electric wire. She couldn't turn it loose. I jumped into the water. I crossed the bayou. I ran over there and I grabbed her. But when I did, it knocked me down. Went right on through that wire, through that little girl and knocked me down. I wonder how the man that had no hope, that could not walk, that could not fend for himself, the man who had begged all of his life. I wonder how he felt when suddenly Peter's, the voltage higher than any electricity we've ever had and reached down and touched it and surged through his, through his body. And the, the Bible said he leaped and jumped and they went into the temple praising God because God fixed what was broken. Oh, by the way, I did get the little girl to loose. I got up from that ground, and I just took off running, and I just 
ran right into her and just knocked her down, scratched her all up. But I got her away from that electricity. You see, God can fix it. I love to see the same spirit of God that touched that lame man at the gate beautiful. I'd love to see him touch every person that has a need in this building. I would love to see him lay his hand upon you. And whatever you brought into this building that is broken, I would love him to say to you, it's fixed. Don't worry about it. It's fixed. I've taken care of it. Go home. Rejoice. It's okay. It's fixed. I've seen glimpses of it from time to time. But I want to see more than a glimpse. I saw a dead woman that was still breathing. Skin and bones lying on a cot in the southern part of Mexico. At night, went into her little old shack, took her by the hand, pure bones. And I said to her, what's wrong? She said, I've been sick two years, been vomiting blood the last three months, paid two witch doctors to cure me. I'm dying. And I knew that. I'm looking at a dead woman still breathing. And I prayed for her. I left her, came back three months later. Pastor took me to the same little house. Had breakfast on a table, a, 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 a carpet a, built out of boards, home built. There was my breakfast, and I'm sitting there eating it. The lady is standing at the corner of a house, her arms crossed, and Pastor said, You know who that is? No, I've seen her. I don't know her. Yes, you do. That's the lady you prayed for three months ago. God fixed it. God fixed it. He said, you see these people standing around here? They're her family. God saved the family. He said, I baptized seven of the family. Her husband and six children. I'm here to give you hope. I'm here to tell you that God can fix whatever you brought in here. Whether he will or not, that's between you and God. That's between you and God. But the ability of God is able. He can do it. He can do it. And if I'm expecting to come back, I'm going to have to blow it. I, I had some pictures of Betty Carranza. She was seven and a half years old. Any seven-and-a-half-year-old little girls here, close to seven-and-a-half, seven to eight? Lift your hand up. All right, beautiful. Now, can you imagine the mother? Who are you? Can you imagine that little girl that you love so much has leukemia? And she's dying. I went to her home, and I prayed for her in Mexico. Head was swelled so big. Her dad was taking her back and forth from Mexico to San Antonio, blood transfusion, one after the other after the other. Chubby little fat thing. I have another picture, second picture. 
I was handing her a check that paid all of the expenses that they'd incurred because of leukemia. And she's sitting on my lap, and I give it to her. I have a third picture. I thought I had lost them all. I had them all on, on disc, and someone broke into my van in Tampa, stole everything on a slide presentation. I found those about one day last week when I was going through some old boxes looking for something. I found those three pictures that you couldn't buy. Because the third one, she's the most beautiful little girl that you can imagine. And she's sitting on my lap, totally fixed, totally healed, totally healed. You see, I get glimpses of the power of the spirit. But I want to rise in the spirit and go to bed in the spirit every day, over and over and over. Will you stand with me? I'm going to ask some people who pray for the needy to come here. We'll close here in a couple of minutes. Plenty of time for the next service to begin. I'm serious. I am very serious. If you do not respond today, I'm going to trust that you are well taken care of. There are no needs in your life. We rejoice with you. If there are no needs in your life, we say, thank you, God. We'll, we'll, we'll clap our hands and just applaud you because that's what we want to be. But if you happen to be here with a need today, and you want to make that, you want to give that need to God, he can fix it. He can fix it. I don't care how long you've been shooting up drugs. God can fix it. I don't care how many times you've been married, divorced, and remarried, and re-divorced. God can fix it. I don't care if you came in here barely able to walk. God can fix it. I don't care if you came in here without a dime to put in the offering. God can fix it. God can fix anything that is broken. Will you bow your heads? Father... I've given what you've asked me to give, God. You're so good. You are so good, God. Father, send the spirit that came down in the midst of Jehoshaphat. Speak to these people, Lord. Speak to these people. Send the same spirit that healed that lady in deep Mexico and extended her life. Send the same spirit that dried up the leukemia. Father, that was 30 years ago. Little Betty is preaching the gospel today. Has a beautiful family. God, you're, you're, the, you're the master of fixing it. While our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If there's anyone here, you're tired of carrying that baggage. Why don't you just step forward? You said, I, I don't want to be embarrassed. You don't need to be embarrassed. Just come on down and leave whatever you're carrying, you're carrying in here. Just leave it here. Leave it here with these guys. Just bring it and just leave it here. God can fix it. God can fix it. Someone sing a verse or something. 
a cappella, whatever. You got great singers here. This is serious. Serious. They led me off a mountaintop because I had had a stroke on the top of a mountain. Bad news for me. Someone else. You're tired of carrying that, that mess. That mess, you're tired of carrying it. You said, Brother Larry, I want to just leave it at the foot of the cross. I want to leave it with Jesus. You've tried everything yourself. Why don't you try God? You've tried over and over and over again. Why don't you just give it to God? Some more people come pray with us. You got other people. You don't, you don't have to be a designated prayer. You, if you love God, come on up and pray. Very serious. Very, very serious. God is the answer. God is your answer. God loves you. And he'll never condemn you. But he will fix what's broken. He will. He will. I don't care how rotten you are. You're not as rotten as Nineveh. And God forgave the whole city of Nineveh. God can fix us broken. God can fix us broken. People are coming. You know why? You get tired of carrying that load. You know, you get tired of putting on that front. You just get tired and you want some relief. You get tired of hurting and you want some relief. Well, just come on down and leave it in the hands of God. And see what God can do with it. Just see what God can do with it.